Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Don Ma in for Stefania. Here are today's top stories. Three days of voting and still no speaker in the House of Representatives. Another name is in the race today and a surprising stray vote from Congressman Matt Gates. Biden finally set to visit the border. His answer on what took so long and a new immigration program announced today. Idaho courts unsealed documents containing new details on the murders of four students. Multiple sources are tying the killings to the main suspect in the case. An offshore storm system brought howling winds and rain to the west coast. At least two people have died in California during the storms. Virginia's attorney general announced he's investigating a top-ranked high school accused of preventing students from getting college scholarships. And what Governor Glenn Youngkin is saying about this. Some encouraging news regarding the status of Buffalo Bills player Damar Hamlet. Meanwhile, the league looks at options to resume the Bills game. Two hundred and one. That's where Kevin McCarthy's vote count stands, falling 17 short of winning the gavel. Democrats continue to criticize the historic battle as a slowdown of the American people's business. There was a new nomination today and one vote for former President Trump. And now joining us live is Melina Weiskup from Capitol Hill with more. Melina, where are we now and how do things look going forward? Hi, Don. So right now, Congress has entered the um, another the fifth round of the day, which would make the 11th ballot um, that they've had to take up. Now, this is the first time since the 1800s that members have had to go past the ninth ballot when electing a House Speaker. And throughout the course of today's vote, still those 20 people who are opposing McCarthy uh, did not budge. We are hearing some reports that they're they're close to a negotiation. Um, lawmakers who are opposed to McCarthy and uh, people who are working with those negotiations um, are, who are for McCarthy have been negotiating all day between votes. We're told that, that 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 deal is getting close, but I would take that with a grain of salt, Don. And I say that because we heard from Representative Scott Perry earlier today, um, and he was saying that there's no deal whatsoever. Also, he expressed frustration at the um, you know the internal with the internal negotiations that are happening. He expressed frustration that some of those conversations have reached the press. So there is a lack of trust um, going on here. And, but he says he would still rather this take a couple of days than to just simply continue with the status quo. Um, it was interesting to see today the difference of opinion within the House Freedom Caucus. So you had Representative Troy Niels, who is a member of the House Freedom Caucus, uh, nominating Kevin McCarthy. But then you had Lauren Boebert coming up and nominating uh, Representative Kevin Hearn, which is also a member of the House Freedom Caucus. At one point, you had three three Republican nominees on um, to be voted on and Byron Donalds he was still being voted on although he lost some votes because some were supporting Kevin Hearn. Now I caught up with uh, Representative Kat Kamek earlier today who has been a strong supporter behind McCarthy and she says that she believes that this delay is just not what's in the best interest of the American people. Now let's listen to what she had to say about this along with Lauren Boebert who's been one of those lawmakers dragging this process out. Here's a listen. 
I came here because this process is broken and we have to fix it. But we are going to see people who are going to put their personal agendas, their personal vendettas, again, above the needs of the country. And that's not productive. There's several that are at the table as we speak, continuing to work through some of these nuanced issues. Um, there is a handful of people um, that have said, it doesn't matter what, what concessions are made, what wins we get, we will never support Kevin McCarthy. That's not helpful. And that's not putting the country first. I love the conversations that are going going on on the floor, in the cloakroom, in the halls. There's nothing extreme. There's nothing unreasonable. We're trying to get this right. As my conservative colleagues and I have stated time and time again, Congress is broken and fundamentally needs change. And Democrats continued with this messaging opportunity, painting this as chaos and confusion. Uh, we heard from House Democrat Caucus Chairman today, or actually he's now the, the new leader who replaced Pelosi. Um, that was his old title. But he, he was continuing this message saying that this is just chaos and confusion. So Democrats are trying to paint this as a bad look for Republicans. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, we did hear from Republican Mike Gallagher, who did admit that this first quarter is critical right now, saying that he's now having to change the plans that he had with regards to China and having to uh, prepare to work overtime to make up for this lost time. Um, but at the same time, he says that he doesn't believe that this is a bad look for America in general on the global stage. He just says that this is just how our deliberative process works. Um, so here we are. You know, it looks like they're going uh, to a fifth round right now. Um, there could be another uh, Freedom Caucus member nominated. Um, we'll just have to see how this all shakes out. But this is modern history in the making. Don, back to you. All right. Thanks, Melina. Hopefully a decision will be made soon. And we'll keep you updated on the story as it develops further. And in other congressional news, Michigan Democrat Senator Debbie Snabnaw announced today that she will not seek re-election in 2024. She'll vacate her seat at the end of her term on January 3rd, 2025. The 72-year-old lawmaker currently serves as chair of the Senate Agriculture Committee and Democratic Policy and Communications Committee. Meanwhile, former Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger, who just left office, has now joined CNN as a senior political commentator. Kinzinger was one of the most outspoken Trump critics on Capitol Hill. His own critics took to Twitter today, saying it's not a surprising career move. And today, President Biden announced new migration programs ahead of his visit to the border on Sunday. Entity Cyrus Tao has more from the White House. After two years in office, President Biden finally is set to visit the border. And I will visit the border myself this Sunday in El Paso to assess border enforcement operations. The announcement comes as Biden announces a new immigration program. The administration will now accept up to 30,000 migrants per month from Nicaragua, Cuba, Haiti and Venezuela. But these migrants need to find a sponsor here in the U.S. and pass a background check. Or else... ...will be swiftly expelled to Mexico. But if your application is denied or you attempt to cross into the United States unlawfully, you will not be allowed to enter. Do not just show up at the border. But an immigration expert told me today that a new program would still subject communities to an influx of illegal immigrants. These people do not qualify for asylum under our laws, and therefore we're going to waste all this money putting them through immigration proceedings, and then they're still going to be living here illegally. 
Meanwhile, Biden's trip this Sunday comes after two years of intense pressure from Republicans. And just a month ago, the trip didn't appear to be on Biden's mind. Why go to a border state and not visit the border? Because there's more important thing going on. And when asked today why now and what took so long. I wanted to make sure that I knew what the outcome, at least the near outcome, was on Title 42 before I went down. I raised that same question today to Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, but he didn't quite give an answer. One more question. Your reaction to Biden's trip to the border this weekend, and do you think it's overdue? I'm very much looking forward to joining the president in El Paso this weekend. Thank you. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News. Meanwhile, the mayor of New York City is calling out lawmakers in D.C. for their handling of the border, calling it a man-made crisis. New York's Democratic Mayor Eric Adams on Wednesday told reporters people should take a look at the federal government instead of criticizing him for the immigration crisis in the Big Apple. Well, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? No, why don't you tell the federal government to fix this mess that they created? This is unacceptable. And I'm not going to sit back and allow New Yorkers to carry the burden of a man-made crisis. This must be fixed. This has to be fixed. Adams added that he doesn't know what will happen once Title 42 is lifted and that the city needs more resources to handle the influx of people. Recently, Colorado's Democratic governor, Jared Polis, reportedly started sending illegal immigrants by bus to New York, Chicago, and other major cities. The move mimics actions previously taken mostly by Republicans. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot criticized Polis for this, and Adams on Wednesday echoed her frustration, saying sending the immigrants to New York is inhumane. I don't know if we really understand the magnitude of dropping 30,000 people in the city that's already going through a crisis. And it's as though people just, you know, okay, well, New York handled it. Adams added that not only is President Biden to blame for the immigration crisis, but Congress and the executive branch as well. Reporting by Arian Pazdar, NTD News. Now to the University of Idaho murders. Officials released long-awaited court documents today containing chilling new details about the case. 28-year-old Brian Koberger, the main suspect in the murders of four Idaho students, appeared before an Idaho court on Thursday. That's after being extradited from Pennsylvania, where he was arrested last week. The families of victims reportedly attended the hearing, too, crying in the first row. Documents released on Thursday show that traces of the suspect's DNA were found on a knife sheath in the home where the victims were killed. However, no weapon was found. The documents explain how investigators matched the DNA. On December 27, 2022, Pennsylvania agents recovered the trash from the Koberger family residence located in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. That evidence was sent to the Idaho State Lab for testing. The documents also say that location data from the suspect's cell phone shows he had traveled to the area of the victim's residence at least a dozen times between late June and the night of the killings in November. According to that data, he also returned to the area of the attacks just hours after the students were killed. One of the surviving roommates of the four killed students told investigators she heard someone crying in the early morning hours. The documents call the roommate DM and state that she opened her bedroom door after she heard the crying and saw a figure clad in black clothing and a mask that covered the person's mouth and nose walking toward her. DM described the figure as 5 foot 10 or taller, male, not very muscular, but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. The male walked past DM as she stood in a frozen shock phase. 
An officer later located a car in the area registered to someone whose driver's license information and photograph matched the description of the surviving roommate. That car was registered to Koberger, which led to law enforcement investigating and ultimately arresting him. The judge reportedly denied bail for the suspect. He has a preliminary hearing scheduled for next Thursday. Reporting by Arian Pazdar, NTD News. As high winds and heavy rains sweep through the West Coast, at least two people have died in California, including an infant. Since the start of 2023, California has faced what weather experts describe as a bomb cyclone and atmospheric river. A bomb cyclone refers to a low-pressure storm system that strengthens rapidly within 24 hours, as occurred on Wednesday. And an atmospheric river can be described as long and narrow rivers in the sky that carry water vapor and are responsible for large quantities of rain. The National Weather Service said early Thursday that a significant storm arrived in California, bringing heavy rainfall, flooding with debris flows and landslides. There has been at least two deaths, according to reports. After the Wednesday storm gained strength offshore, it brought hurricane-force wind gusts knocking over a tree in Sonoma County, which fell on a home and killed a two-year-old infant. A 19-year-old Fairfield resident was also killed on Wednesday when her vehicle hydroplaned on a partially flooded road and ran into a utility pole. Around the Bay Area, evacuations were ordered in Santa Cruz County, including much of the town of Watsonville. We get home last night, and first thing we did was pack our stuff off the floor and, you know, all the important stuff, gather it, you know, get some uh, luggage ready just in case, and get some uh, sandbags to, for, for the possible evacuation. In San Francisco, high winds damaged a Valero gas station. The city's public works operations were providing free sandbags to SF residents and businesses to help protect against flooding. Meanwhile, the snowpack covering California's mountains is off to one of its best starts in 40 years, officials announced Tuesday, raising hopes that the drought-stricken state could soon see relief in the spring when the snow melts and begins to refill parched reservoirs. The state's Department of Transportation says that if you're traveling, travel safely and bring essentials like food and extra clothing just in case. And before driving, make sure to give yourself plenty of driving time to reach your destination. Check your car fluids, windshield wipers and windows, make sure they're clear. And to slow down because during the winter time, uh, it could take an extra long time to completely stop your car. Reporting in Santa Clara, California, David Lamb, Entity News. Virginia's attorney general launched a civil rights investigation into a top-ranked high school on Wednesday. The school is accused of withholding national merit awards allegedly to avoid hurting the feelings of other students. NTD's Arlene Richards reports. In a Wednesday press conference, Virginia Attorney General Jason Miares announced he will investigate allegations against Thomas Jefferson High School, a top high school in Fairfax County. It's accused of not notifying students that they earned a National Merit Award until after college admissions deadlines had passed. I cannot imagine as a parent having a situation where my child has been denied and not been told winning a National Merit Award, which opens the door and the pathway to millions of dollars in college scholarships. According to a Fox News report, parent Shauna Yashar first reported the delay. She said teachers dropped certificates on students' desks past the deadline for scholarship eligibility. 
and that a school official told her they didn't want to hurt the feelings of other students who weren't being honored. Miares also plans to investigate the school's 2020 overhaul of its admissions process, which substantially affected the number of Asian students admitted. He said no students should be treated differently because of their race. Miares' announcement came after Governor Glenn Youngkin called for the investigation. In an interview with Tucker Carlson, Youngkin said, When you have a superintendent in Loudoun County who expresses a desire that all students will have equal outcomes, no exceptions, this is the kind of just crazy behavior that you get from principals and administrators. Fairfax County Public Schools said in a statement that they are conducting their own investigation of the delay. They explained in the statement, our preliminary understanding is that the delay this fall was a unique situation due to human error. The investigation will continue to examine our records in further detail, and we will share key findings with our community. The superintendent met with families and school staff contacted colleges where award recipients had applied and asked them to update their records. Arlene Richards, NTD News. Now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Don. Good news from the NFL today, as Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin has shown remarkable improvement over the last 24 hours, according to the team. The Bills released a statement this morning saying, quote, while still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal and he is making steady progress. Hamlin's agent Ronald Butler told the Associated Press that Hamlin was awake and has been able to grip the hands of family members. Hamlin went into cardiac arrest after making a tackle against the Bengals on Monday Night Football. He received CPR on the field and was taken away in an ambulance. He's remained in critical condition ever since. The game was then postponed and no makeup date has been announced. NFL executive Jeff Miller said a decision on whether to resume the game is coming soon. Now, if both teams are out of a playoff spot, the game will likely not be continued, but instead both have a chance at the top seed in the playoffs. The Bills and Bengals are currently second and third in the conference respectively, and both teams owed head-to-head tiebreakers over the top-seeded Kansas City Chiefs, so the game is crucial to playoff seeding. The top seed gets a first-round bye and home-field advantage throughout the postseason. And in college basketball news, Texas fired head coach Chris Beard today as he faces a felony domestic violence charge. The charge reportedly stems from a December 12 incident involving his fiancée. Beard was in his second season with the Longhorns after five years coaching Texas Tech. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has a quadruple header planned featuring MVP candidate Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks hosting the Boston Celtics. And finally, for you hockey fans, the NHL has 10 games on tap, including the Boston Bruins, who have the league's best record, playing at the LA Kings. And that's it for your sports news today. Back to you, Don. And coming up, tens of thousands attend former Pope Benedict's funeral as he was laid to rest at the Vatican. And amid the COVID spike in China, doctors are posting CT scans of white lungs on social media. What exactly is this white lung phenomenon and what are the implications? Find out more after this short break.
Former Pope Benedict was laid to rest at the Vatican today in a funeral attended by tens of thousands and led by Pope Francis. It was the first time in more than 200 years that a pontiff had led the service for his predecessor. Pope Francis presided at the funeral of former Pope Benedict on Thursday. He gave an homily that compared his predecessor to Jesus before tens of thousands of mourners at St. Peter's Square. Gracious Father, we commend to your mercy Pope Emeritus Benedict, whom you made successor of Peter and shepherd of the Church, a fearless preacher of your word and a faithful minister of the divine mysteries. Benedict's death on Saturday ended an unusual decade of the former and present Pope living side by side in the Vatican. Benedict shocked the world by resigning nearly a decade ago, the first Pope to do so in 600 years, instead of reigning for life. But he remained a hero to Catholic conservatives. As pallbearers carried the coffin away, cries of Santo Subito, or Saint Now, arose from the crowds. 86-year-old Francis sat for most of the service because of a knee ailment. He bid an emotional farewell to his predecessor by touching his coffin after the funeral. People from all over the world, many from Benedict's native Germany, had arrived overnight to say farewell. Well, it's kind of sad, uh, the news about the death of the Pope, but of course it's a beautiful celebration and I think it represents a lot about his life and uh, what he expected, a simple celebration, but very beautiful. About 200,000 people filed past Benedict's body while he was lying in state until Wednesday evening. Italian Prime Minister Giorgio Meloni, the King and Queen of Belgium, the Queen of Spain and over 10 other heads of state or government attended in a private capacity. After the service, Benedict's coffin was wrapped in red ribbons in the form of a cross. Workers later put it in a zinc casket and soldered that shut. Both were then put into a wooden casket which was lowered into a crypt under St. Peter's Basilica. Amid China's COVID spike, doctors are posting pictures on social media showing CT scans of white lungs. What exactly is this white lung phenomenon and what are the implications? NTD's Tiffany Meyer has more. A pattern is emerging from China sweeping COVID-19 infections, and it's sparking concerns about whether the virus has mutated or whether earlier strains of COVID-19 are driving the ongoing outbreak. Chinese citizens are dubbing the phenomenon white lung. It refers to how some COVID-19 patients' lungs have turned partially white on CT scans. To clarify, it doesn't mean their lungs have turned white. The white appearance on CT scans indicates fluid and infection in the lungs. Putting the patient in a serious condition, healthy lungs should appear black on CT scans. Chinese doctors have flocked to social media, posting videos of patients who have the so-called white lung syndrome. Let's take a look at a video clip from a doctor working at a Beijing hospital. The CT scan comes from a 78-year-old male who died of COVID. Look at this patient. Both of his lungs have turned white on CT scans. This is the so-called white lung phenomenon. It's a very typical symptom of viral pneumonia. 
In another video, an unnamed doctor said he diagnosed 120 patients in eight hours and that about 12 percent of them had the white lung phenomenon. This is a CT scan of a 28-year-old patient. Look at the large patches of ground glass opacity in the lungs. This is a 48-year-old patient. The black parts of the lungs are healthy. The white area is appearing on both sides of the lungs. These are the lungs of a 65-year-old female. White lung, very serious infection. This is a 75-year-old senior. See the part where the lungs have turned white on the CT scans? Other doctors are also taking to social media, posting photos of their patients whose lungs have turned white on CT scans. Citizens, too, are reporting the white lung phenomenon among loved ones who have died of COVID-19. That includes a former anchor with China state-owned broadcaster and the wife of a famous scholar. Both of their family members died of the virus, and parts of their lungs appeared white on CT scans. Some are questioning whether this indicates that an earlier strain of COVID-19 is driving the current outbreak. The white lung phenomenon was common when the pandemic first broke out in China. And studies show that Omicron tends to spare the lungs. Responding to the concerns, China's top health authority said white lung has nothing to do with the original COVID-19 variants and that a considerable number of patients with such inflammation can return to good health. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Don Ma. Good night.